Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number one. And we'll read the first three verses and then we will jump down to verse five. And uh, I saw a picture today of uh, a young teenager in a sled and he was trying to sled down a grassy knoll and it said snow day in Atlanta so that's that's about how it's been today uh, some of y'all were hoping for snow uh, I had enough snow in Chicago growing up I don't ever have to sneak see snow again and I'll be I'll be just fine so praise God but I'm glad everyone's safe and and I feel the presence of the Lord tonight Isaiah 43 and 1 if you have that say amen says this, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. And I'd like to teach tonight from this subject. When thou passest through, when thou passest through. I wanted to keep that title even though that's good King James and maybe a little hard to understand, but we might could say it this way. We could say that God will be with us while we're going through it, while we're passing through it. And uh, sometimes we are going through something and, and we don't feel and understand all that God is doing. But we know that he is going to be with us while we're going through it. Amen. And so we're going we're gonna to look at each one of these verses that we just read. There's a, a powerful truth in each verse. And I believe the Lord wants to help us tonight. Can we put our Bibles down? And one more time, let's ask the Lord to minister to us, shall we? Lord, I pray that you touch the hearts of your people, God. There are saints that are passing through it right now. They're in the middle of it, Lord. And we can't always see your plan. We can't always understand your purpose. But God, we're thankful that we know that you are here. We love you and we praise you. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm going to move quickly through each verse, and I just want to touch on a few things. Uh, there's, no, there's no hidden uh, gotcha uh, point in this lesson. Uh, we already know that the main thrust of this scripture is that God is with us. He's with us. Someone say he's with us. He's with us in every circumstance. It's easy to know that when we're going through good times, when things are easy, uh, when we're on the mountaintop, we, we know that God is with us. But oftentimes when we're going through the difficulties of life, it's hard to keep in mind that God is with us while we're going through it. And the reason for that is giants are big. And so when you see Goliath, he obstructs your view. It's difficult to see where you're going when Goliath is blocking your view. The Lord dealt with me, and, and we're going to kind of switch metaphors here. 
this is talking about uh, going through different things, the elements, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But the Bible often uses the, the metaphor and sometimes the literal sense of mountaintops. Anybody know what we mean when we say we're on the mountaintop? We, we mean in, in this day and age that everything's great, everything's going good, we've got it all together. And then when we go down, we slip into the valley, and the valley is the difficult place. The Lord dealt with me the other day about the reality that when you're on the mountain, everything seems good, and then there's that moment when you're coming down the mountain towards the valley. Going down a mountain is very easy. Anybody ever climbed a mountain or gone down? Uh, going down is the easy part. You move quickly. Uh, there's not much blocking you. And oftentimes it feels that way, doesn't it? When we're going towards the valley, it's like we get to the valley very quickly. In fact, sometimes things seem extra good and extra easy because we're going down the mountain and then all of a sudden, boom, we're in the valley. And the valley can be shocking to us because uh, we don't always have warning. We just go to a regular doctor appointment thinking everything's fine. And then we get a bad report, and boom, we're in the valley. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you feel like everything's going great, and life is moving along just fine. And then you get a phone call that changes your life forever. And suddenly, you're in the valley. You can be moving along, and everything's good. And then uh, you receive a piece of news that shatters your heart, and, and suddenly, you're in the valley. And it can happen almost unexpectedly. And then the valley can take a little while to go through. And you're walking and walking. And suddenly you pass a Goliath. And, and you pass another problem. And you get to the mountain. And you see hope in sight. The problem is, is when you get to the mountain, you're going to have to do some climbing to get to the top. Everybody okay? And so oftentimes... In the moment before you reach the mountaintop again, you're going to struggle even harder than you did in the valley. Because I'm just going to tell you, I would rather walk through a valley than climb a mountain. And if nobody's ever climbed a mountain here before, have they? My kids like to climb mountains, and so we'll go sometimes. And there's almost nothing more exhausting than trying to climb a mountain. Even a mountain as small as Stone Mountain, which really is just a tiny little mountain, uh, but you just even with the steps that they've created for you, if you try to do that quickly, you have to stop every 10 minutes or so just to catch your breath. And then when you get to the top, it's beautiful. But the struggle to get there is very real. And that's what the Bible means when it says, don't be weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you what? If you faint not. In other words, things are, are going well. It's about to get better. And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, your exhaustion will cause you to stop just when you're about to reach the answer that God has for you. And so I want to encourage somebody tonight to press forward, even when you're tired, even when you're hurting, even when it's hard. Press forward because you are almost there. In fact, the enemy will fight you hardest in the final moments before your breakthrough. You know, the enemy can sense, the enemy uh, is well aware of how God operates, and the enemy can tell when you're on the verge of a breakthrough. Now, the, en the enemy's not omnipotent, uh, he doesn't uh, know the mind of God, but he can see the plan of God unfolding just like 
Humans, if they're sensitive, can see the plan of God unfolding. And the enemy knows when you are right on the verge of breaking through to the mountaintop again. And so the enemy will come at you with everything it's got to stop you just before the breakthrough. That's why it's so important to press, to press, to press and push through and you'll make it to where God is calling you to go. So in Isaiah, we we have God talking to Jacob or Israel, his chosen people. And he said, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And so we see in this passage of scripture in the New Testament age, these are exclusive promises for those who belong to God. Everything we're about to look at tonight is for people who belong to God. If you're not a child of God, these promises are not yet for you. If you want these promises, all you have to do is become a child of God. How do you do that? Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues and serve the Lord. Turn away from your old life and walk with God and you will be a new creature in Christ Jesus. So these are exclusive promises and they are only for the redeemed. They are for the servants of God alone. How many are thankful that you're a servant of God? That means that you have access to promises that other people do not have access to. There are things that God will do for you that he will not do for other people. Why? Because you're his. Can I just say that there are things that I will do for my children that I will not do for your children? Is that okay? I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. I love your children, and I'll do a lot of things for them, but there are some things I'm just not going to do for your kids, but I'll do it for my kids because they're mine. And so it is with God. We, we have access to things in God because we are the children of God. That's why we can say, Abba, Father. We can cry out to him and have faith that he is working on our behalf because he loves us with the love of a father. And so Isaiah 43 and 2 says this in the next slide. When thou passest through the waters, when you're going through the water, when affliction comes, and affliction comes to everyone. Anybody gone through some affliction in your lifetime? Anybody have the courage to say, I'm going through some affliction right now? Go through some affliction. It comes to everyone. The water rises. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So in this life, in this finite sinful world, there's going to be pain. There's going to be trial. There's going to be trouble. And it will even come to the righteous. And so... As you're going through that moment, when the flood waters rise, as you're, as you're walking through it, you know that there are promises for you in that moment. And I'm encouraged by this verse because it says when you're passing through, it implies that this is not going to last forever. You can trust when you're going through the problem. You can have faith that this problem is not going to last forever. This isn't going to be the end of your story. You're, you're not going to be stuck in this moment because you're only passing through to the other side. And the season will change. The time will change. 
The psalmist said, and Song of Solomon said, you know, there's a time for mourning, and there's a time for joy. There's a time for dancing, and there's a time for sorrow. And it doesn't matter who you are, even as a child of God, there's going to be moments where it's appropriate for you to weep. And there's going to be moments when it's appropriate for you to dance. But if you're going through the weeping season, have courage and know that this season is not for always. You're only passing through. The flood water's rising, I know, but you're only passing through. The trouble is on every side, I know, but you're only passing through. The fire seems hot, but you're only passing through. And if you can hold to that, in the trial, you can have faith in God and you can believe that my circumstances don't define me. Did you know that pain should not define you? Did you know that you're not defined by cancer? You're not defined by your childhood. You're not defined by things that have been done to you. You're not a victim in the Lord. How many know there are no victims in Christ Jesus. Now that doesn't mean you haven't been victimized. Yes, you have. Most of us here have been at some point, but we don't identify as victims because it doesn't matter what happened to me yesterday. I'm only passing through. It doesn't matter what Pharaoh did to me today because I'm only passing through. And I know that I am more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. So Pharaoh can rage and Pharaoh can come at me with the swords and the chariots, but I'm only passing through. And I know that my God is going to deliver me. If God's ever delivered you from something, would you just wave your hand? I know it's Wednesday. You don't have to dance and shout or anything, but just wave your hand if he's ever delivered you. Can, can you just testify with me? Was there a moment in that trial where it felt like you would never come out of that trial? Just wait. I'm right here with you. Was there a moment in that trial when it felt like this was going to define who you were as a person? Go ahead and just wave your hand as a testimony. But could you go ahead and wave your other hand and say, but he brought me through. I'm here tonight. I'm not in that trial anymore. And the same God that brought you through that trial is going to bring you through this trial. Because you're only passing through. Amen. And he's with you. And then in the next in the next line, in verse 40, uh, in chapter 43, verse 2, he said, and we know it, I will be with thee. Can we say that together? I will be with thee. I will be with thee. This is a promise from God that when you're passing through, as you're going through, whatever it is, you can fill in the blank. And probably in this room, there are dozens of things that people are going through. Some of you are going through more than one thing. Did you know you can be going through more than one thing at a time? And, and so there's probably dozens of things that we're passing through, that we're going through in this moment. And it can be painful and it can be difficult. And I know this is simple teaching, but when I remind you that God will be with you, that ought to be the most important thing you can hear in this moment. That ought to be the most important thing you can hear. Because if God is with you, if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, that's why you really should take time to evaluate and make sure that you're on the Lord's side. 
And I'm just going to pause and be a preacher here for a minute and remind you that sometimes we're not on the Lord's side. And then we wonder why he's not fighting our battles. Hello, I'm going to help somebody right now. So it's good to evaluate when you're going, because remember we said these promises are not for everyone. This promise is for the children of God. And so it's good every once in a while to make sure you're still a child of God, to make sure that you know who your father is, to make sure that you've been on his team, because if you want God to be for you, you better make sure that you are wearing his uniform. Amen. Make sure. Because if you are, if you're on the Lord's side and you're going through it, God is going to be with you. You're not alone. Sometimes we feel alone. Did you know they say the worst emotion that you can feel? Uh, psychologists have been studying it. Uh, and I know some of you will glaze over when I do this. I find these things interesting and other people don't. But I'm sorry. I have the mic, so you're going to hear about it. Uh, they say that, that in this modern technological age that we're living in that people are struggling with loneliness as never before and there are several things that make that strange number one there are more people on the planet than there have ever been before that's number one number two uh, most people live in metropolitan areas, highly populated metropolitan areas. So we're not talking about people who live in rural areas where they don't have a neighbor for 30 miles. People live close to one another in the modern age. And so yet they're lonelier than they've ever been before. People have more access to communication than they've ever had before. The Internet keeps people connected day and night. Cell phones, text messaging. All of this keeps us interconnected day and night. We have thousands and thousands of websites, designed, social media. All of that is designed to connect people in ways that they have never been able to stay connected before. But what they're finding is, as technology advances, people are not making real human connections. They make virtual connections on their phone but they're not making real human connections with people. They're also not making a connection with God. And let me explain one of the reasons for that. Because now we have millions of Americans who substitute the house of God for a TV preacher every single Sunday. And they wonder why they have no connection with the anointing. And the reason is you cannot replace virtual connections with actual human connections. You are going to have to be connected. And let me just preach this for a minute. That TV preacher is not going to come pray for you when you're in the hospital. That TV preacher is not going to know your name. You can write your check and send it to them and get a little cloth in the mail and think that's good. But they don't know who you are and they never will. You need a human connection with a human man of God who preaches the truth. And so we've got to have we've got to have this feeling of being connected and we have to be truly connected to God. And they say that in all of this modern struggle, you know, and here I'm really going to make you all depressed, but the suicide rate is sky high. Nobody knows why the suicide rate is what it is. They really don't. They, they have theories and they talk about it. People are committing suicide that uh, are wealthy. People are committing, you know, you think, well, all my problems would go away if I just had more money. Can you, be, can you be honest and say you felt that way at least once in your life? At least once. Maybe when, uh, you know, you didn't have money to pay the bills or something like that. 
think, well, all my problems would go away. But in reality, wealthy people commit suicide at a higher rate than poor people do. Now, that's confusing, isn't it? At least to the carnal mind. To the secular world, that's extremely confusing. Uh, young people who have their whole life ahead of them are committing suicide at a terrifying rate. All of this is very confusing. And they say that the number one driving force behind suicide, the number one driving force behind depression, and the number one uh, problem that people articulate that they face in life is loneliness. Hello. They feel alone. They feel alone. And then you add to it people who are going to colleges and public schools and they're being taught that there is no God, there's no real purpose except the purpose that you make. The purpose that you try to make is empty. We, we, the, the stark reality is you don't have to like it on the podcast. I'll take your email. That's fine. The stark reality is without God, there is no purpose. I've challenged them. Show me the purpose. There's no purpose except the one you create. There's no higher calling. There's no right and wrong. You cannot have a true right and wrong without a higher being, without God. God is the creator of right and wrong. Without, without God, there's no meaning to life. And, and we teach children that there's no God and that we are an accident and then we wonder why they're in despair. And then we take human connection away from them. As millennials, I'm just going to teach this to you. I know this is just kind of my candy stick. But millennials, uh, they're struggling because millennials don't go to church anymore. And yet they don't have any kind of community to replace going to church. And so millennials, the only human connection they have is very surface level Minimum interaction where uh, like at a bar, for example, well, you're not going to have a real human connection at a bar. That's a very surface level human connection. And so they're struggling and they're feeling empty and they're feeling lonely, even in crowds of people. But the church ought to be able to stand up and say, you are not alone. I'm with you. God is with you. I'm for you. God is for you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how hopeless the situation God will be with you. Can anybody testify that God was with you in the storm? God was with you in the rain. God was with you in the hospital. God was with you during the bad report. God was with you in the valley. God is with you. Like the three Hebrew boys in the fire. Like Daniel in the lion's den. Like Elijah on the mountain. God will be with you in every situation. And sometimes we're like the disciples and we say, Master, carest not thou that we perish? Anybody ever done that before? You didn't do it in the King James, I understand. If you did, I want you to come tell me. If you said, Master, carest not thou that I'm perishing, I want you to come tell me that you really did that. But you, you probably have said something along the lines of, God, do you see what's happening right now? God, where are you right now? Anybody ever said that before? God, where are you right now? Because we don't always feel God. But here's, here's the thing about the word of God. If you trust the word of God, even when you don't feel God, you know that he's there because he said he would be there. 
And so if you don't feel God right now, that's okay. I'm telling you, he's with you right now. If you can't sense his presence, I want you to understand that's okay. All you have to do is trust him anyway because he is with you right now. Somebody ought to clap your hands if you believe that and understand he's with you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He is with you. All right, now, next slide. Continuing in verse 2, it's a powerful verse of scripture, Isaiah 43 and 2. I will be with you. The waters, they shall not overflow thee. You're not going to be overcome. You're not going to be in over your head. It's not going to consume you. This is not going to be more than you can handle. No matter how you feel, you're not going to be overcome. No matter what it seems like, you are not going to drown. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we all know the verse, the Lord will raise up a standard against your enemy. When it feels like the flood waters are rising above your head, know that God is about to raise up a standard against the enemy. If you feel like it's about to knock you down, just know God is about to push against the tide. God's about to push against the flood. God's about to push against the waters and he's going to intervene on your behalf. That is the God that we serve. You're not going to be overcome. I feel like someone needs to look at your neighbor and tell them you are not going to be overcome. I know you're going through something right now, but it is not going to overcome you. God is going to raise up a standard. Again, in verse 2, he continues on. He said, when thou walkest, and I want to pause right there and tell you that if you're going through a valley, if you're going through a storm, what you need to do is keep walking. Keep serving the Lord. Because this is the key to overcoming. All right. This is the key to overcoming. Because here's where people mess up. Here's where they miss the miracle. Here's where they miss the plan of God. God is with them. They don't feel him though. God is for them. But it feels like they're being overcome. Anybody ever felt that way? And so your your feelings start lying to you because you feel like there's no hope. You know, your heart is a liar. Did you know that your feelings are a liar? And and so you're walking through the storm and 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 God's for you, but you don't feel him. And and it's tempting in that moment. To turn your back on God. And join the enemy. Did you know people do that every day? They're on the verge of their breakthrough, and they stop walking. They stop walking with God, and they turn in another direction, or they just lay down and give up. But you cannot. You've got to what? Stay faithful, stay committed, keep moving forward. When you're going through a trial, that's not the time to stop coming to church. I said, that's not the time to stop coming. That's the time you better get in church. When you're going through a trial, that's not the time to stop praying. No, that's the time you ought to be praying more. When you're going through a trial, that that isn't the time that you should allow yourself to just indulge in something you think might make you feel better. And You know, I used to drink to feel better, and I'm going through, I deserve a drink right now. No, when you're going through a trial, you need to keep walking with the Lord. Well, I used to take some drugs to feel better, maybe just a little more. No, you need to keep walking with the Lord, or you are going to lose the presence of the Lord. You're going to lose the touch of the Lord. You're going to lose the favor of the Lord. 
Amen. So keep walking. Stay faithful. Stay committed. Do not allow yourself to give in to your fleshly desire to just lay down or to turn around. Keep moving, walking with God. That's why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't just lay down in the valley and wait for God to lift him up and carry him out. No, he walked through the valley. And God was with him as he walked. That's the key to having God with you. You've got to keep walking. You've got to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And he'll be with you in every situation. Next slide. Still in verse 2. Powerful verse. In fact, if I was you, I'd go to Isaiah 43 and 2. And I'd just highlight that whole verse because this is powerful. He said, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So you're not going to be burned by the... There's going to be fire, but it's not going to burn you. There's going to be fire, but it's not going to consume you. It's not going to attach itself to you. It's not going to scar you for life. It's not going to define you. There's going to be no trace of bitterness, no trace of hatred, no trace of malice. And, and you're not going to be a victim. You're going to be a victor. You're not going to be conquered. You're going to be a conqueror. You're not going to be overcome. You're going to be an overcomer. It might look like this is going to be the stench of that flame is going to be on you for the rest of your life. But you're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're going to be in the fire. But when you come out, there's not going to be any smoke. You're, you're not even going to smell like the smoke. And I know right now it feels like this problem is always going to be stuck on you but you're not going to be defined by this flame in your future because God is going to protect you from what the flame is trying to do to you and somebody needs to cling to that tonight because you think you're going to be defined by what you're going through for the rest of your life but you will not be defined by this God is going to decide what defines you and it will not be what the enemy does to you hello it will not be what the enemy does to you. You'll be defined by God's hand on your life. You know, David didn't spend his whole life being defined by the guy who was hiding in caves from Saul. Although there were probably many times when David thought, I'm going to be defined for the rest of my life as the guy who was hiding from Saul. But God had bigger plans for him than that definition. God had things for him that were greater. Next verse and verse 3, and I'm closing quickly, Isaiah 43 and 3. And here's the reason why. Now listen to this carefully. Here's all the things that God promised, but then he tells you why you can believe in these promises. He said, for I am the Lord thy God, thy Savior. You can't do these things, but God can. You, you can't. You can't overcome the scars, but God can. You know, I've talked to, it breaks my heart, and I, I don't, I don't want to get too heavy, but I, I've talked to victims of abuse, people who were abused as a child in, in every way that you can imagine. And, and one of the things that I, I always say and, and, that, and that they'll say to me in their testimony is that there are some scars in life that are so deep and so painful that there is nothing that you can do about it yourself. There are some hurts that are so deep that you could never erase the pain on your own. There are some mental scars that are so hurtful that you could never wipe those away on your own. But God is the Lord of your life. 
And God is able to do what you cannot do. God is able to do what doctors can't do. God is able to do what man cannot do for you. And he is your savior. That means he's all powerful. That means he's your redeemer. And it's not by your might and it's not by your power, but it's by his spirit. Anybody leaning on the spirit of the Lord tonight? I, I know sometimes it feels like there's no way that I can be renewed. And you can't renew yourself. There are times when there is no strength left inside of you. The only strength that you can find is by leaning on the Lord and allowing his spirit to lift you up. Isaiah 43 and 3, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. In other words, he's reminding them, if I did it for you before, I can do it for you again. And I know that simple teaching, but we need to hear it over and over again. If you could just look back at what God has done for you in the past. How many times did the Israelites forget what God did for them at the Red Sea? How many times when they were in the wilderness did they forget the miracles that God did for them yesterday? It's almost like they had a blind spot where every time they faced a new problem, they forgot the power of God in the past. That is not the will of God for us tonight. God wants us to remember that he can bring us through. If he did it yesterday, he can do it again. He absolutely can. Stand with me. I'm closing. Last slide. Isaiah 43 and 5. He says this. Fear not. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. Now, that's a hard command. You know, that's a command, by the way. That's not a suggestion. Fear not. Pastor talked really powerfully about what it means to fear not. When it comes to the spirit. In other words, don't fear the enemy. Why? For I am with thee. For I am with thee. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has given us those things. The Bible also says that perfect love casts out fear. You know, there is no human love that's perfect. Did you know that? I don't care. Think of who you love the most, your child, your spouse, your mother, your father, whatever it is, whoever you love the most, your love for them is not perfect. It might be beautiful, but it's not perfect. The only love that's perfect that is capable of casting out fear is the love of God. How does perfect love, how does God's perfect love cast out fear? Here's how it does. When you really understand how much God loves you, it casts fear out of your heart. Because when you know that God loves you, you know that he's with you. When you know that God loves you, you know that he's fighting for you. And if you know that and you know that God is all powerful, it doesn't matter what you're facing. Fear will be cast out because you know that God loves you. If you love the Lord tonight and you believe he loves you, would you just lift up your hands no matter what you're going through? I don't care what you're going through. Just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I love you. Come on, just let him know. Let him know. Let him know. I love you, God. I worship you, God. I praise you, Lord. I pray that your love would push against fear. I pray that your love would push against the darkness. I pray that your love would encourage us when we're weak. And I pray that your love would remind us who we are in you, God. And that in every situation, fear 
can be pushed out, cast out by your love. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.